You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Guys, if you are looking for some delicious baked goods to treat yourself during the fall season, I highly recommend going to FredHeBakes.com and getting yourself some brown sugar buddies. They are a fantastic treat to have during this time of the year. And if you use the coupon code NOLOVELOST, you'll get 20% off of your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, why not head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts or Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, we know 2020 has been a rough ride, but uh, the year is coming to a close soon, and we just wanted to say thank you again to everybody so much for all of your support during this very, very turbulent year. We're in the home stretch, guys. We can do it. Just remember, stay safe out there, everybody. Take care of each other. And thank you again for everything. We love you. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something, supposing anybody may know. There are times we hang our heads in sadness, we know there's no love lost. We had to go back. And, Will, you know what that means. It's a girl's day. It's a girl's trip. Woo! Ladies night. It is a girl's trip. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we uh, uh, break down uh, loss. Where girls being girls being girls being girls. This is where we get to be girls. (laughs) Yay! Um, Finally. I'm Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 15, Left Behind. Which, isn't that the name of like a super religious book series from the early 2000s? It is. And <laughs> Was Cameron, that intentional? Kirk <laughs> Cameron made some uh, movies, made some like... I- terrible movies i never watched any of them (laughs) but uh yeah they're about the rapture but you know what almost like the rapture the others have uh vanished without a trace i uh, honestly i wonder if that wasn't like way back in the day i wonder if that wasn't an intentional nod to that series or like an intentional wink to the fans because the purgatory theories were so rampant way back in the day maybe they're like oh you think it's purgatory? we're gonna get real religious on you now and then i bet you some idiot lost fans because you know how there were because you know how there were people who like they they said one sentence from a novel i'm gonna read that whole novel bet you somebody's like i the episode's called Left Behind. I better read this entire book series. Um, this episode is written by Damon Lindelof and Elizabeth Sarnoff. And, uh, oh, this is a Lindelof joint. Yep. And um, it is, uh, speak, keeping, the, keeping the girls trip, 
Uh, it is directed by Karen Gaviola. Woo, ladies out here doing it for themselves. <laughs> and this is, I, 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 I happen to enjoy this episode. Uh, it's a real character-based episode. It's, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's the monster and stuff, but it's really just about like orienting well, where some characters are, getting more into what the the, the dynamics are going to be on the island with Kate and Juliet and Jack. Well, you know what this is. This is like the first time. In, in my opinion, and, and granted, you could make the argument that um, the series did it a little bit with uh, Desmond's previous episode with his trip in time. Um, but this is the first time I think Lost has done sort of a classic TV trope episode because of, the, you know, there's a very famous Sidney Poitier film about two prisoners. Uh, the who are, Yes, yes. Two Tony Curtis. Who, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where they're uh, they are chained together, and they have to set aside their differences to um, make it to freedom. I think I've never actually seen the movie, but it's become such a ubiquitous trope in television that usually, if you're watching a series, especially an episodic series in like the early two thousands. Uh, at some point, you were going to see an episode in which two characters were tied together and had to set aside their differences to to make it to freedom. Uh, like, this is something that's been done in so, so many different series. I, I've seen... Uh, I've seen it in cartoons. Uh, there was a Pokemon episode back in the day where two Pokemon were chained together. Like, this is something that every series did at some point or another. I think this is the only instance I can think of, though, in which I've seen the two people who are chained together be two women. Um, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Can you think of any other instances in which that's been the case? Not off the top of my head. Now, is this a trope that you're super familiar with, Will? I mean, I've seen The Defiant Ones, the movie. And and it actually, I had written that in my notes, so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I saw episode of Quantum Leap, which was the exact same plot as The Defiant Ones, basically. Um, I mean, I think the reason why it keeps coming up is because it's like, such an easy but also compelling recipe for conflict right well, yeah they are they the you anytime you can put two opposing forces together and have to make them work together there's going to be instant drama and there's instant drama with her and juliet um so in that regard i think it i, I don't know i think it really works here and then, and then there are some twists yeah, I, I, I will be honest. I think I, I think what you said earlier um, is absolutely true. I think this episode in particular, I enjoyed it this time around. I think it's leagues ahead of um, <laughs> a lot better than Kate's last flashback episode or Kate-centric episode. Um, but I will say that the first time I watched it, I remember 
being really frustrated with it. And that was because at the time, I still really didn't like Juliet. But now you like Juliet. I'm coming around on her for sure. Um, But like watching it again, I can see why my past self was so upset. And it's funny because this is this is one of those episodes that really stuck in my memory. Um, But also, I remember the ending. I I don't remember the ending of this episode um, from when I first watched it. In my head, I superimpose the ending of a later episode onto the ending of this episode. Uh, I think because they both made me really mad and frustrated. But in my mind, two episodes got smushed together, and that's what this was. So it was cool getting to go back to it. Before we get into it, do you want to do that thing you do? That thing I do? Uh, sure. If for whatever reason, this is your first episode of No Love Lost, just as a heads up, we may in fact be discussing the entirety of the series Lost. So for whatever reason, if you haven't gotten around to watching Lost yet, and you just sort of stumbled onto our podcast, uh, we might spoil it for you. So you have been warned. And now that you've said that, I have a question for you. What episode are you? did you confuse it with? I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's the one where Juliet is making, like at the very end of the episode, she's making a recording for Ben. And she's like, they totally bought it. Hook, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, Also, I hate you for making me do this. Okay. (laughs) Like in my head, that was the ending of this episode, Um, which uh, I think is just my frustration from one week carrying over into the next because like the series is clearly wanting you to empathize with Juliet, but then she goes and does a betrayal like that. And even though you understand why, like I already didn't like her at the time. So I'm like, why <laughs> you're trying to make me like you and feel bad for you, but I don't cause you're a liar. So <laughs> there's a lot of cons going on in this episode and I love a good con and lost loves a good con. Who doesn't? And I love a good con man. And it's a good thing because Sawyer's in this episode too. Sawyer, there's cons against Sawyer. There's oh my con- gosh, it's so good. <laughs> but um, let's start with the flashback. And we see uh, Kate. She's, you know, she's on the run as always. But her fan belt has broken down. And it's never gonna a be, good sign. It's going to be three days before she gets a new one and she's in the middle of Iowa and uh, you know, she's going by the name Lucy and she's at the gas station and there's a little bit of a ruckus in which someone's threatening to call the police because someone is pulling the old fake jewelry (laughs) uh, gas station scam. And that's, Would tr- who would dare to try such a ruse? Well, there are only two people who would ever dare try such a ruse. One is Sawyer, and the other is his Cassidy. old flame Cassidy. <laughs> I'm so happy to see her. Uh, like this, this was an awesome team. Like, uh, I mean, we've had lots of episodes in which characters, um, their lives intersect in some way, shape, or form. Um, this was like this was one I never anticipated would happen, and yet I'm so glad it exists. It's, it's one of the best of them. It's one of the best of them, and it's because 
it's not just two characters that we know have this connection to this man that we also are a, a fan of um uh and they don't know it it's not just that it's that you have these two women also working at the height of their abilities but within that store you not don't just get to see them like pulling cons and helping each other out but you get to see them break down and be vulnerable a bit too and honest with each other and the two people who don't get to be honest often at all yeah it's it's one of the few times that like we really see Kate let her guard down around somebody and we know for a fact that Cassidy um lowering her guard as well is something that she doesn't readily do after what you know, after Sawyer betrayed her too. And I think that's the big thing is that these are both women who have been betrayed by people they care about. And so let that letting down of the guard and, and sort of, even if it's just a temporary situation, even if it's just for this one time thing, um, just both of them letting their guards down and working together and being able to trust in one, one another is such a huge thing thing um at this point in both of their lives and unlike the episode where kate randomly got married i don't have any trouble placing this in the timeline like i did it first i was like what at what point in time is this happening but it it wasn't difficult once you got through the events of the flashback to figure out exactly where in her journey this had happened um so she sees Cassidy's about to get busted on the, the fake necklace scam. And she walks up and bails her out. She says, oh, like my father had a jewelry shop. I know a real one when I see one. I'll take that for $60. And then, of course, the cops aren't called. But Kate sidles up to Cassidy and is like, hey, uh, how about giving me my money back? And, I do love the the look that Cassidy gave her when she's like, "Oh yeah, my dad's a my dad's a jeweler." Like you could definitely see like Cassidy doing equations in her head, like the math going by of like, "What's this person's angle?" Yeah, but there's also I feel like a little uh, little like game recognizing game kind of thing. Oh, for sure! Like mad respect just yeah. happened. So. Cassidy's like, uh, 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 like you're not just trying to help, help, uh, help someone out. You, uh, you didn't want the police here. What are you running from? And they decide to go. Uh, she's like, I'll give you a ride. You buy me a drink, and they go to a bar, and uh, you know they start, uh, they start, uh, you know they start talking, and and Cassidy, yeah. Cassidy asks her name. And she immediately knows it's BS. She's like, you hesitated. Once again, I'm fairly certain that Kate has just pulled from the names of notable women in television. (laughs) Who are some some other ones she's used? Uh, I, I know she did, like, didn't she do Rachel at some point? Monica, Monica was yes. definitely one. <laughs> and now she's Lucy. So yeah, she's just cycling through famous sitcom names. So Kate basically tells her story. She tells, you know, what she did. She's upfront about it and says she's there. She wants to talk to well, 
her mother. And there's some, honestly, there's some truth in the the idea of like, I can be more honest with a stranger than I could with somebody I've known all my life. You know how that goes? Like, I don't know if you've ever struck up a random conversation with somebody at a bar and you're just like, I don't know why I feel like being honest with you, but I'm never going to see you again. So sure, I'll be honest. Look, Megan, I'll talk to anybody about anything. <laughs> I'm a little too much. I'm a little too like, oh, why did I tell that person everything about me? Um, so I get it. Uh, but um, there's also, I think, you know, uh, like kind of a trust among, honor among thieves kind of thing. Like she knows she's not going to get ratted out by this woman because this woman's committing cons left and right. So I think that helps. They're, I mean, they're on the same level in a lot of ways. Of course, Cassie never killed anyone. You can you can always trust a dishonest man to be dishonest. Yeah, <laughs> it's the honest ones you have to look out for. So Cassidy is like kind of, I guess, moved by the story of murdering her stepfather. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Cassidy probably wants to murder someone right now, too. So she's like, I'm going to help you. And then we have this. It's one of those moments that, you know, it's not Kate because you're never seeing the face. It's shot in such a way like, oh, we're concealing something. But it's still like a fun, satisfying scene, I think. I mean, you knew it wasn't you know even the first yeah. time i'm assuming and this dark the brown-haired woman dressed in kate's clothes is walking up to this the, door the real reason you know it's not kate in addition to all the camera motions or all the camera movements and everything like that the real way you know it's not kate is because kate wouldn't just go up to her mom's front door like an amateur <laughs> Well, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, logically. <laughs> and she goes and she knocks on the door and immediately, who's there? The U.S. Marshal and uh, five other marshals. And they throw it down and he's so excited. He's like, I got it. Aha. And he flips her around and it's Cassidy. Cassidy, the Bible salesman. <laughs> And you know for a fact Cassidy really did Kate a solid there because she had to then tolerate hours of having to talk to the marshal, which that's not fun for anyone. Didn't Wait, how long did she say, though? I thought she said she was only questioned for a half hour. Did I miss that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just every every minute with him feels like an eternity. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be, well, she even brings this up later. Hey, you got me lying to U.S. Marshals. I deserve some, some honesty here. And not going to lie, because they were both so forthcoming and so honest with each other, there was a part of me that didn't remember if Cassidy, like, was going to rat Kate out. Like, no joke. At, at one point during this rewatch, I got a little anxious. I was like, oh, man, is Cassidy going to sell her down the river? I hope not. Cassidy's cool. Well, Cassidy doesn't. But she's like, hey, I lost a lot of, I lost a lot of Bibles in a case. And I had to talk to them for a while. So, <laughs> so what's the, um, like, what's, why do you need to do this? And Kate, basically says 
that her mother gave her up. Like the woman, like this woman raised her, this woman loved her. The mother gave her up and she needs to know why. Yeah. Which I get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's the whole thing is Kate has, Kate obviously murdered her stepdad because she hated him. But she has convinced herself that she did it for for her mom and not for selfish reasons. Um, and granted, I'm sure it is very much a little of column A, a little of column B. Like, um, it, it's not like she wholly did it for herself. Like, she did, she did want to protect her mom and she did everything she could to set her mom up for life. Um, you know, she loves her mom. But, like, she's also convinced herself that that's the only reason why she did it, you know? Yeah, and and she knows better. The mother knows better. We'll get to that in a second. Because they come up with a new little scam to get Kate with the mom now. The mom is away. By the way, I'm going to say this, though, if I may. Kate blew up a house with, like, a piece of shit guy in it. And she, there's a little insurance fraud here, too. Would there really be that many marshals out to get her? <laughs> I was kind of thinking that to myself, too, because I'm like, she's killed one person and committed a little white-collar crime. Um, There are, like, way worse people out there in terms of, like, who we should be pouring our time and resources and man hours into apprehending, you know? I mean, when the the mother says like, oh, those two guys who've been sitting in my diner for like months or what, like what? Like they've been just, there've been two guys whose job has been just to have dinner at that diner every night for months. I mean, I'd love it if that was my job in the before times. That's a a great gig. But you know what this is? I think in, like, in real life, obviously, there wouldn't be a lot, like, don't get me wrong, like, there would be time and attention paid on a case like this. However, I think what we're meant to infer, based on this sort of, like, zealousness of the police manhunt, is that it's because the marshal has taken this personally. Yeah. That's why there are so many, like, man hours and resources being poured into apprehending Kate is because he humiliated, or she humiliated him. Kate has become his white whale. Exactly. So, like, that's the thing, is, like, I don't think the feds, don't get me wrong i think they'd be concerned but i don't think they would be zealots about trying to apprehend her you know but because she personally insulted him or at least he perceives her as personally insulting him and humiliating him because she escaped he has made it his mission in life to apprehend her so um uh they Cassidy. come up with this this yeah, new yeah, yeah. scam. And Cassidy's in the diner and orders some chili. And then when Kate's mom's walking by, she knocks the chili onto her, knowing that she will have to go to the restroom to clean up. And who's hiding out in a stall? It's Kate. This is the saddest scene in the episode, Will. That's such a waste of good chili. I just, it's so upsetting. You know, I haven't had chili in a while. I might have to pick some up. 
Oh, dude, I have this. I I have a go-to recipe that I I do pretty frequently, actually. I could could go for some chili. But Kate, uh, Kate's there, and she, she basically comes out of the stall and she's now she's got the opportunity to talk to her mom and her mom. She, I will point out, she probably shouldn't have been wearing the same outfit that Cassidy was wearing when she came knocking on it's her door. It's like Kate's only got that one outfit. What was Kate? <laughs> what was Kate wearing when Cassidy was wearing it? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, she's got like five outfits at the moment and that's it. But the mom does most of the talking. Because it's almost like, almost immediately, the mom's like, are you here to say you're sorry? And Kate's kind of like, what? Like, she's like, no. And she's like, uh, uh, basically, the mother makes it. Like, Kate doesn't understand why the mom turned her in and why the mom's so upset about this guy dying. And she says, you can't help who you love. And then that's when Kate is like, I did this for you. And she's like, you did it for yourself. And I think you're right. I think there's, I don't know, but I feel like the episode is making us, is really leaning heavily on the idea that Kate did it for herself. Like, I think Kate is coming to that realization in that moment. I know what you're saying. Like, there has to be a little bit for her mom, because if he was abusing her, she shouldn't have been putting up with that. But well, that's that's but, the but thing. I think that I think the episode very much leans into like like I mean, do we let, let me ask you this. And we may have talked about this in in the Kate episode when she when she kills her stepdad, but that was a while ago now. Um like do we do we agree Kate was morally in the wrong for what she did? Or do we think it was justifiable what she did? Well, I mean, this kind of goes back to our discussion of is it ever okay to murder somebody? Like, we had this kind of discussion when, um, uh, in, the la- in Echo's last episode, when he killed those drug dealers and then walked out of the church and everybody was like, how could you do this thing? Uh, and it's like, self-defense, that's how. Uh, it's one of those things where... I personally don't condone murder in any sort of situation. However, this guy was clearly a piece of shit and his and Kate's mom was never going to report him. And you have to understand from the point of view of like uh, a loved one who is seeing their uh, their, you know, whatever the relationship may be, somebody that they care about in an abusive situation um who and being unwilling to leave it like you never know when one of those abusive situations yeah. is going to go too far so kate in her mind might have been saving her mom's life like we don't know the extent of the abuse she suffered by this guy's hands uh like it could have very like if kate had chosen to do nothing her mom might have died at some point like he could have pushed her at one point and then like she hits her head on a coffee table and then boom she's dead you know you never know um so on the other hand i can't say like i don't condone murder but if you're afraid that a loved one is going to be murdered by somebody who's abusing them like 
and no one's doing anything. Like there are no authorities coming in. Like the person is refusing to report the other person because they're in a, in a abusive relationship and they've convinced themselves that it's okay. Like, I don't think Kate is a, like, it's a weird thing to say that I don't condone murder, but I don't think Kate's a bad person. (laughs) No, I don't think she's a bad person. You know, I, I'm, it's probably for the best, but I'm surprised the show never gave us a flashback to her, like living with her mom and stepdad or something like that where we saw a little bit more that relationship. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I mean, maybe the, the show, there are certain things that the show wanted to be, you know, mysterious about. Like it took multiple Kate flashback episodes mm, to know. really, to really understand like was, her situation. It was more important for her to have that Nathan Fillion flashback and, or, or <laughs> no, get that little plane. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I actually think that the plane episode no, I, yeah, has, I should, wasn't I, a throwaway episode. No, I don't either. I just, I, I'm just, I, I mean, I don't even know if I want to see that episode, but I, it does strike me as something that had we seen it, but maybe that's the exact reason we don't see it because then we would be, we wouldn't be, if we saw that episode, you and I wouldn't be able to have the uh, 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 conversation about the morality of what she did because well, it'll have been it'll have been that much more clearer that he had it coming. Now it yeah, always that, remains it always remains a mystery of how bad was he really, and it's about her and her mother more it than least- anything. It leaves her situation in a state of moral ambiguity. And if there's one thing that Lost loves being, it's in a state of ambiguity. So, so, um. But I also, I also think like, you also do have to keep in mind that the time period of which this show was made and like there weren't a whole lot of shows, I think, especially prime time shows, really delving into the effects of abuse and abusive relationships and gaslighting and things like that. So I also think that that's probably like something that wouldn't conventionally like you wouldn't get a real deep dive on that on network TV, you know. Um, but the mom says she's not going to turn her in, uh, but says uh, basically she never see her again. Well, and she, you know, drops that that little bit that we get tied in from the plane episode where she goes, if I ever see you again, the first thing I'll do is call for help. Yes. She's true to her word on that. Yes. And that is how we know exactly where this fits in into Kate's timeline. <laughs> um, well, the car is now fixed. And, um, you know, Cassidy drives her to it. And, you know, they have a little very nice moment where Kate tells her her real name. And then Kate also says that, uh, you know, this guy, this horrible guy who stole all her money, like, tell me who he is. I'll find him. Like, Kate's gonna, Kate's gonna straight up hunt down Sawyer. This is a case for the one and only Detective Kate. (laughs) She could, she could hunt anyone down. And, I'll find this guy who's done you wrong, sweetheart. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen Kate break down in the episode. Now we finally see Cassidy break down a little bit because she's pregnant and it's his. And let's face it, she's still got 
bit of a torch there for Sawyer. Which I think is a nice, I mean, it wouldn't, it would feel so wrong, honestly, if we didn't know that it was Sawyer that she was talking about. Um, like it would, it would feel disgusting, honestly. <laughs> uh, but because we know Sawyer, we know who it is and we know how it sounds to an outside observer. It's just like, oh man, <laughs> oh, poor Cassidy. This sucks. Sawyer, shame on you. <laughs> so let's go to the island. I, I do want to say though, that like, I love this team up. And I, I know this isn't the last time um, Cassidy and Kate are on screen together, um, but, like, I I feel like this was a much better use of our time than the Nathan Fillion episode. Oh, it, like, this is, uh, look, there are a lot of flashbacks this season that spin their wheels. This is not one of them. This is one of the best flashbacks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, honestly, I'd watch I'd watch an entire movie of these two. Like, it's, it's that cool and fun of a character study. So, on the island, uh, Kate's having a another uh, encounter and team up with uh, 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 a woman. And the episode starts with Kate sees someone, Juliet, coming into the little pool hall there, rec room there that the others have. So Kate naturally, the second they walk through the door, she attacks them, but womp womp, Juliet was just bringing her a sandwich. And Which, I don't know what kind of self-defense classes Juliet's taking, but like, can I sign up? She that took her down. Well, she also, she walked in there kind of knowing Kate was gonna, like, I think she had a sense that like, mm, she's probably gonna attack whoever walks she's in She's like, here. what's the over-under on this girl trying to hit me with like, I don't know, a baseball bat, <laughs> a crowbar, something, whatever she could get her hands on. What's the over-under on that? And she made the right call. Yeah, no, she does. She she takes her down. And this is an episode where uh, it does feel like most of the episode, even when she's getting her shoulder dislocated, that Juliet's got the upper hand over over Kate throughout this episode in many ways. Which, if you go back in time and talk to past Megan, past Megan will find quite vexing and frustrating. <laughs> but I mean, I think if you're, a, I think if you're a Kate fan, you're supposed to. And it also speaks to that. It's also the thing that, and I'm getting really ahead of ourselves, but it speaks to that idea that, well, Juliet is an other, and we've seen how these others manipulate, like, and how much can we trust her? Yeah, um, like mind games is kind of like their MO. Um, in fact, she even talks about that. So, Locke comes to Kate. This fucking guy! I'm so upset with you, John! <laughs> and Locke's like, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving with them. And she's like, what are you, brainwashed? He's like, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving with the others. <laughs> I am, but not by them. <laughs> um... I just this is can't. my own deluded uh, sense of self-importance that has brainwashed me. Nothing, nothing they did. He says that. Um, he says that you know, Kate and Jack, they're all going to stay behind. Uh, and he made the argument to them that Kate was a good person. They told him what she had done, which he's like, which 
you know, if someone on the island is going to know your secret, actually, he's the guy. Because he's not going to tell you anything. He's not going to tell anything. Yeah, that's the thing. Is If there's one thing John Locke knows how to do, it's keep a secret. So, but you see her look of, like, a little bit of panic. Um, but no. So. Because how are these people supposed to know what she did? Because she hasn't told anybody on the island what happened, right? No. Am I am I misremembering? I don't remember her telling anyone on the island. So yeah, I I semi panic too. <laughs> um. So anyway, Locke has gone off with them, and then Kate's looking out the window a little while later, and she sees them packing up their gear, and she sees them put on gas masks, and she's like, "What the what?" And they throw a canister of knockout gas into the rec room which honestly this is a terrifying moment like um because she she looks outside and she sees them leaving and wearing gas masks and it's like that's an immediate red flag and then the door opens up and a cat and a gas canister is thrown in that is genuinely chilling and upsetting (laughs) like i have to give this episode props for like that is like that is borderline nightmare fuel honestly so when kate does come to she is in the jungle she doesn't know what's happened and she realizes she's handcuffed to juliet and now we have our (laughs) defiant ones portion of the episode now, I do have to ask, as as I mentioned at the top of the episode, this has happened in, like, so many TV shows since uh, that movie originally aired. Will, what has been your favorite iteration of this trope? I'll be honest with you. I I don't remember. I'm, I'm having trouble recalling some that I've seen <laughs> offhand, if I'm to be totally honest, other than... Other than the movie and this. And I think I said there was an episode of Quantum Leap that literally stole the plot of the movie. <laughs> um, it's one of those cases where, like, I think plagiarism is the the sincerest form of flattery. You know, that sort of thing where it's just it's such a good it's such a good story. It's such a good idea and premise. It gets used over and over and over again. But I love the the sort of variations that often get thrown on it. Like I love the curveball that this episode throws into it in terms of like, you know, what we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit um, in terms of Juliet. But I think off the top of my head, cause I was thinking about this before we started recording, I was trying to think of like, what other examples of this do I really like? And there's an episode of tales from the crypt where a police officer might maybe a sheriff maybe a u.s marshal i don't know it's been years since i've seen the episode where he handcuffs himself to a convict and then the convict kills him and so for the entirety of the episode this guy is handcuffed to a corpse (laughs) awesome and hilarious and like it's it's you know, because it's Tales from the Crypt. It's a dark comedy of errors. And it's, I remember really enjoying it. Although it's been a long time since I've seen it. But that, off the top of my head, is my favorite iteration of this trope. Well, she wakes up with Juliet handcuffed to her. And she sees a little knife in Juliet's pocket. 
and she slowly slips out the knife. And I think this is a good directing job because the way she has the knife, like, you almost wonder. I mean, you know she's not going to because of just the nature of the show. But you almost wonder in the way it's framed and the way she's holding the knife by Juliet. Like, oh, is she going to try to kill Juliet? Is she going to? And Juliet opens her eyes, wondering the same thing, grabs like, her wrist. Juliet going, I've also seen that episode of Tales from the Crypt, and that's not how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, you know, Juliet's like, that's not going to undo the handcuffs. We got to pick them. We need something smaller. Um, so they're going to remain handcuffed together, but, um, you know, Juliet, uh, when she starts to realize what's going on and that Kate wants to go back and she's like, no, like, why would we go back there? Like, they don't, they don't want us. I mean, they, they just did this to us. How can we go back? And Kate is not thrilled with, uh, Juliet here. Probably she don't trust her, understandably so, because she was one of them. And it's like, what happened that now you're like cast away with me? And Juliet does bring up like, well, Ben does like mind games, but well, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I'm trying to remember like that the beginning of the season feels like so long ago. Yeah, because, but like, yeah, at one point, didn't she have Sawyer at gunpoint? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I did not make that up. <laughs> okay. But she, she also helped them escape. That's Juliet's, also true. Juliet's, okay, that's fair. Juliet's a complicated character. Yep. Sure. <laughs> I no, I believe you, and I, I'm feeling for Juliet a lot more than I did on my initial run. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just dig in my heels and be stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. I feel for Juliet. But I also want to recognize the frustration that my past self felt. Well, you know, you've matured. (laughs) That's certainly one way of looking at it. (laughs) So they're walking and it's night and Kate's like, no, we got to follow this track. And Juliet's like, it's going to rain. Let's get shelter and wait till morning. And Kate's like, no, we're going to lose the track. And then it starts to pour rain. And then, uh, you know, Juliet's basically like, don't, uh, don't go back for Jack. Jack told you he didn't want you to go back. Yeah, she was like, I was there. I watched it. Like, yeah, buzz off. (laughs) He doesn't want you there. And then she basically says like, and by the way, you ruined his chance to go home. And that, and by the way, ruined Juliet's chance because there's a little bit of projecting there too. Now, and I I totally, again, because I feel for Juliet a lot more than I did back in the day, I understand. I understand her frustration. You know, assuming any of this is genuine and not just all part of the manipulation. Um, But I feel for Juliet a lot more than I used to. And so I understand her frustration. On the other hand, it's not Kate's fault. 
Kate just wanted to rescue Jack. She had no context for what was going on on their side of things. Locke was the one that went motherfucking AWOL and blew up a submarine like a goddamn lunatic. Well, uh, you know, Kate brought a lunatic on the rescue mission. That's what happens. I do put some more blame of this on Kate. Kate shouldn't have gone back. He told her not to go. I don't want to put as much blame on Kate. Locke was the one that blew up the submarine against the wishes of literally everyone. <laughs> everyone. He was the one that sabotaged them. He was the one that randomly decided to murder that guy. <laughs> like, Locke. Now, here's, here's, sorry, just since I've brought it up in the context of this conversation, and we've already talked about John choosing to go with them. Like, John's the asshole here, right? Like, in, in this situation, like, don't get me wrong, I feel for him and everything like that. But, like, all these actions, don't you kind of feel like John Locke was being set up to be the eventual villain of the series? And I don't mean, like be the puppet of the villain of the series but like i mean legitimately be the villain of the series no 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 i i don't think i think john locke is i think i think john i think john locke's doing what john locke believes is right and necessary and for the greater good and yes that could still make you a villain but I mean, don't get me wrong, that to... would make for a compelling villain. But, but he, like... doesn't, he has no intention. I don't think he, he has no intention of harming people. He has empathy for people. Like, he's not. But he's a zealot. Like, the, like, it's never something I ever picked up on, on an initial viewing of this show. Um, apart from some of the creepiness that was sort of established in season one. Like, but rewatching the show, I legitimately think he was being set up to be the 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 villain in Endgame, and in a way he is, but in but he's also not, and I I think that kind of undermines what ends up happening in the end because in the end it's not a, a war of ideology between Jack and Locke like the series is been sort of setting up all this time it's like this war between jack and someone pretending to be Locke, and i think it might have been more compelling if it actually was Locke. you know john Locke is a, is just a he's a good man but he's a confused man he's a yeah no man. i'm not i'm not ragging on john Locke. i'm talking about from a meta perspective do you think this narrative would have been more compelling had he not been murdered and then puppet, like basically marionetted <laughs> through the through the final season. I'm curious how I'm going to feel about that marionetting through the final season on a rewatch. Because um, it didn't bother me. But I wonder if, if it'll it... bother me at all this time. But I just, I don't know. John Locke's journey is so tragic and so it sad is. it is it's super super sad but you know what some of the best villain stories are and like there's especially just with the way he's set up in the pilot and and throughout season one and with some of the horrible things he's done up until this point 
Like, I'm genuinely well, wondering the, if the, this wasn't supposed to, if he wasn't supposed to be the villain at the end. I guess you could argue that the way the show ends up playing it in its end game uh, is a little bit of have your cake and eat it too. He gets I mean, to maybe. Be, he gets to be both the villain and the the John Locke we love. I mean, maybe that's... Maybe that was the problem. Maybe maybe both the writers and the audience just had so much love and empathy for John that even at his worst, he, like they could never see him as a villain. And so that's why he ended up getting killed and why somebody pretending to be him ended up being the big bad. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to, to veer us off on a different conversation, but like it's something that... I'm genuinely wondering during this rewatch and I, I don't know how I feel about it. But I would also say like Kate and I think the episode much like <laughs> to get us back to what we were originally talking about. Well, but like, but like Kate <laughs> is much like the thing with her mom where you did, where she's like, you did it for you. She went back to, I think the show general genuinely believes the message is that kate was doing this jack thing also on some level for her like it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do she wasn't doing the thing she killed the abusive stepfather to protect her mom but her mom didn't want the protecting she went back for jack but jack didn't because, want to protect not him. because not because she needed to protect not because he needed protecting but because she felt guilty about having slept with Sawyer. Which I think is fair, but also unfair, if that makes any sense. Because I'm sitting here going, but, like, you didn't know. Locke's the asshole here. (laughs) You didn't know Jack had a way off the island. You didn't know he struck a deal. You didn't know any of these things. But if you would just calm down and did the thing the person asked you to, if you didn't try to white knight it for all these people. If you tr- didn't try to pull a jack and try to fix it. And that's honestly. <laughs> it would have been fine. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's Jack. You know, I feel that's Jack's fatal flaw and the thing that drives me crazy about him. And Kate, who is a character I like more than Jack. She and what have I been complaining? I've been complaining about Kate a lot the last few episodes that she's so on this one track Jack esque mind of we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, and you know they're just setting it up for a mistake. And in all honesty, I do think this episode is a pretty good payoff to all those things that I was complaining about with Kate. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I agree. I I fully believe that almost everything about this episode is really really satisfying but i also want to point out i like i'm just sitting here like i don't want to put all the blame on kate because for not having I'm not putting all, the all the, i'm not putting all the yeah, blame no. on her but i mean there's no. blame to be put sure sure but she also didn't have the context that like we the audience have that's called dramatic irony i want to sit and point out that john locke is the one that stranded everybody here because he blew up the goddamn submarine like an asshole yeah no and I'm, I'm, by the way <laughs> like i'm not a selfish asshole i'm not saying that's a uh 
I'm not saying that wasn't a dick move, but we, we have to move. It was we have a to, major we, dick we, move. We have to move on from this. And I, um, I'm sorry for for taking us on that uh, tangent, but <laughs> I just want to point out that yes, there is some blame with Kate, and I think we can both agree on that. But John Locke is the asshole here. <laughs> um. So then there's this like badass fight in the rain between Juliet and and Kate, in which Kate ends up really angrily dislocating juliet's so- shoulder and then feels immediately shitty about it <laughs> well because she didn't mean to like she was just trying to hurt and subdue her but like you could definitely tell the second like that crack happens and juliet starts screaming that she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my- <laughs> no, no 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 and i'm not gonna lie will i've never dislocated any joint in my body neither have i but in my brain, it is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I've never experienced that pain, but in my brain, it is definitely the worst thing that can happen to a person. So they don't have too much time for Kate to apologize because all of a sudden they hear that familiar sound and the monster is coming. So they he killed Nikki Apollo and now he's back for more. And they have to run, and they run off, and Juliet's like, what's happening? And they hide in a tree, and then there's the monster POV, and the monster comes to the tree, and there are these bright light, there are these bright flashes, and Juliet looks very nervous, and then... And I, I, I do want to ask, like, because we, we saw like the, the smoke monster appraise Locke and appraise Echo... Do we think this is it appraising Juliet or do we think it's just sort of scanning the area trying to find them? I think it's an appraisal. Okay. I, uh, I, I legit light, don't know. Those lights are too directly on her. It's too like, I don't know. I, it's I like think. scanning it. Like, cause that's why I asked because it's unlike the last couple times we saw it appraising somebody. It, it's like, it's different every single time. I assume it was appraising her, but I also don't know for sure because it was shot differently. Then Juliet says that like, I've never seen that thing before. I don't know what that is. And then she also tells Kate to pop her shoulder back into place, which Kate does. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I, and don't get me wrong. I love my horror movies. I love my over the top, like, super like i love like the silly gory stuff and everything like that but anytime a movie or a tv show decides like it's gonna be real and like we're gonna pop something back into place that's where i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) so after she does that she explains to kate why jack uh wanted uh her to not come back for him she goes uh, he saw you and Sawyer. He saw him on the monitors in the cage, and you broke his heart. Boo! Boo! <laughs> like, honestly, like, her and Sawyer hooking up wouldn't bother me so much if it wasn't, if the circumstances weren't so stupid, you know? And and we talked about well, this during yeah, that did, episode. Yeah, yeah. Now like, it was stupid to fuck in the polar bear cages. 
run away, then fuck. It would have been fine. But like, it was just so contrived. And it wouldn't bother me so much if so much of the character development of season three wasn't like reliant on it. But, um, do, I mean, do you buy that? Because I kind of buy it. I mean, I don't know whether it's like, you know, I don't know if Kate's the love of his life, but I do buy that, you know, just from the way Jack saw that go down, just from like his overall attitude towards Kate. I do buy, I mean, he is hurt by this. I mean, there he's, was a love triangle thing going on here. He's definitely hurt by it. But at the same time, I'm not going to pretend like like the whole contrivance of that episode wasn't there. And again, it wouldn't bother me so much if so much of the character development of season three didn't hinge on it. Like, you know? So they, um, the next morning, Kate basically, they're walking back towards the, the houses and, and Kate says, uh, did he say that about breaking my heart? And Juliet says she just knows that that's the case. And Kate's basically like, oh, what do you know about Jack? And it turns out Juliet knows a lot about Jack. Uh, she rattles <laughs> off a lot of things about Jack. Um, and then and then claps back with a, what do you know about him, miss? I've known him for three months. Which to me doesn't say that Juliet knows him better so much as that she's just stalked, like obtained all the information that a stalker would obtain yeah. or somebody who wanted to commit identity theft. <laughs> like that doesn't necessarily mean you know them better as a person. That just means you violated their privacy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression by the way we've seen Jack act with Juliet in these last few episodes that they have they have, it's clear they have become closer. Oh no, they have chemistry. And obviously, like, obviously Juliet was meant to be a sort of, Juliet was meant to play into the element of the love triangle or the love, what is it at this point? Square? Yeah. Uh, uh, rhombus? I, I don't know. What? How many sides are we at for the love triangle, Will? Well, it's four. Well, at this point, it's four. But, like, also, Anna Lucia was a potential love interest. Like, do we want to count her, too? Or no, are we... She's, are, she's dead. She's dead. Once she's you're dead, dead okay. you can't romance anyone. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Uh, but, yeah. So, like, I guess it's a square at this point. But, like, it, an interchangeable square where that fourth, that fourth corner, like, gets interchanged every other season. Um, but like, that's the thing that really frustrated me about this upon a first watch. And honestly, it still frustrates me. It's like, I don't give a shit about this love triangle. Why are you making me try? Like, why are you trying to make but, me care about it so much? Man, I love, well, you know, we'll get into it with season five. Um, like, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Sawyer and Juliet, right? Yeah. Which is great and fine. But like. I hate this shit right here. This, like, catty, like, we're pitting Juliet and Kate against each other because they're both pining for Jack. Like, well, I don't, ew, I mean, I think, ew. well, look, there's a lot of manipulation going on here. I don't That's know if. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We don't know if, like, 
Juliet is actually pining for Jack or if like we're just all playing into the fact that she knows that Jack and Kate are or, yeah, sort or of pining she's for just, each other. Or she's just like spitting shit back into Kate's face because she's mad at Kate for this whole sub debacle. That's now, fair, but you go back in time and you tell that to past Megan and she's going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Well, that's why I host the show with the uh, present day Megan. I don't know. She tells you to go fuck yourself pretty regularly. <laughs> so let's, let's get to some of this manipulation here. So the monster returns and they run and they run to the pylons and Kate's like, oh, we can't go through here. And Juliet's yeah, like, I saw a dude die. It was horrific. <laughs> and Juliet's like, no, 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 no. They've been turned off. They've been turned off. But Kate doesn't want to go through them. So Juliet has to uncuff them because she's <laughs> had the key the whole time. And Juliet runs to the other side. Kate sees this, although still hesitates to run to the other side. Then Juliet uses a keypad. She's turning the pylons on. She's like, get over here. Kate gets over there and the pylons come on and the monster can't cross it. It's and then Juliet admits that she does has seen the monster before, but they don't know what it is. They just know that they can keep it out through this this I system. love this moment so much. Like between both the reveal of like hey, I had this key the whole time. And also, yeah, I was totally playing dumb earlier. Like, I really, really love this reveal. It's so, so good. Yeah. (laughs) Because Uh, it's like, well, you've established that I can't fucking trust you. So cool. (laughs) Awesome. Wow. And then, and then Juliet explains her reasoning and it's the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, are you just telling me that because you got caught in a lie? Or are you telling me that because it's the genuine reason? I don't know. Yeah. So they eventually get back to the houses. And she's like, Kate, Jack's in that house. Go get him. I'll go get Saeed. And Jack's there, passed out. And Kate apologizes. Does the thing... For Jack, that she can't do for her mom, by the way, apologize. Yeah, yeah. And just pointing out the parallels here. And, um, but, you know, and now this gets to where I can see where you're, like, it's a bit of a sting when Jack immediately then, like, asks about uh, Juliet. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, like, also, Kate immediately blames herself, and nobody mentions, it's not your fault, John Locke's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> so we're all in agreement that John Locke is the asshole. But this, this, that being said, this is a very effective scene. Um, so, they walk outside, Saeed's there now, too, and he's like, I've checked all the houses. And... You know, like, well, let's, uh, Jack's like, let's head back. And Saeed's like looking at Juliet and being like, she's not coming with us. And Jack's like, no, like she has been left behind too. She's coming with us. And Saeed and Kate kind of like, I don't know about this kind of suspicious. And that's where we end the episode. Always listen to Saeed. 
he's the smart one. <laughs> he should have been, he and Kate should have been the leaders of the island. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking of leaders of the island, there's one other storyline going on. Ah, uh, here we go. <laughs> and this is, a, this, is a, this is a fun one, I think. I think so too. Um, it's funny because at first I was like when this episode when this plot sort of first kicked off, I was kind of rolling my eyes and I was like, oh, here we go. More of season three's spinning its wheels. But then by the time it wrapped up, I'm like, oh, no, I liked that. That was fun. <laughs> so Hurley comes up to Sawyer, who's like just, you know, doing his thing on the beach reading. And he's like, hey, uh, listen. And I... He's so clandestine about it. He kicks Sawyer and refuses to make eye contact with him. Like, like he's absolutely putting on a show about how, like, low-key he's being right now. Yeah. I don't want to alarm you, but they're going to put together a vote <laughs> to banish you. And, and this is such an early 2000s thing. We're going to vote you off the island. <laughs> but the thing about it is... Considering, especially since in the last episode, we learned, or not that we learned, but Sun learned what Sawyer had done. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To her. Like, it's viable. Like, you go into this storyline being like, oh, maybe they are thinking of getting rid of him. I mean, we know they won't, but maybe they will. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, come on. He, like, he didn't murder Nikki and Paula. <laughs> he didn't do anything. But yeah. That that revelation coming out is like, oh wait, no, he he did he did do a thing, he did do a very bad thing. So he goes to so Hurley's like, listen, I want to help you here, but you got to make amends. And he's like, I'm not going to make amends, and you're rotund, like he's a dick, but he knows. Yeah, because he's, he's like, I can't use any nicknames right now, so I'm just going to be very descriptive. I'm going to ask a weird question. Go for it. Would Sawyer, I, I've I've taken us on so many weird tangents this evening, and I don't I don't want to harp on this for too long. But <laughs> would Sawyer be a Trump voter? No, you know why? Why? Uh, one, I don't think he's registered to vote. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> and two, um. A con man can always recognize yeah. another con man. The only the only reason why I said <laughs> it is because Sawyer does have that quality of I'm going to stick with this thing and you're telling me I got to do this, but I'm going to be like, you know, he always ends up coming around unlike the president, but he, but it made, there was a thing going Wait. around. I'm trying to remember that I never game. Did he say I never voted Democrat? And Kate was the one that said I never voted. I'm trying to remember which was. Oh, which. I think you're right. Okay, so he is a registered voter. Okay, okay. But that being said, like I like I said just now, a con man recognizes another con man. Yeah, know? that's honestly that's my instinct too. There was this whole um, thing going around on Twitter this week of which like television characters would have voted for for trump and most of them i thought were like kind of bullshitty 
like yeah. people just saying people for the sake of like I'm like no the cast of friends would not have voted for Trump you're out of your mind but <laughs> the, but someone brought up an interesting one and I'm really now I'm guilty of taking a center rabbit hole someone brought up uh, Hank Hill from King of the Hill that's a great question but, honestly uh, but but the conclusion that I saw a lot of people say and I agree there are other characters on King of the Hill who would have voted Trump but Hank Hill would have been so offended by the he wouldn't have voted for Hillary but he would be so offended by some of the yeah, stuff no, that like Hank, he, Hank Hill Hank Hill yeah. would have voted for a third party candidate so I was thinking Sawyer like even though there are some unfortunate Trumpian qualities about him sometimes I was mm. thinking would he but I agree with you that he would like the con he would he wouldn't care for Trump's con well, he wouldn't care for Trump's con, and he would also be, like, really embarrassed about how sloppy Trump is in terms of all of his blatant crimes. Like, Trump is a con man, but and, like, an effective con man, but he's also a bad con man in that he's, like, clearly a con man, you know? Oh, okay, so... We'll Sorry, not to no, be so angry about the state of the world, but I, I'm angry about since, the state of the world. <laughs> since we'll probably never ask this question again, uh, what character on Lost would have voted for Trump? Uh, probably somebody, yeah, who like is just a hardline party voter, um, who's not necessarily like somebody who would have really justified to themselves about the harmlessness of everything Trump said in the 2016 election, you know, somebody who would have justified to themselves like, oh, he just tells it like it is. And off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. I don't know. Maybe Shannon and Boone for the tax brace. <laughs> I don't know. Sh Shannon, 100%. And you want me to throw an outside the box one at you? Sure. Go for Anna it. Anna Lucia. And I know there's something about this. Oh, like, Will. No, she wouldn't have. Oh, I think she might have. <laughs> I don't think so. I Like, I know that Trump is very, like, pro-cops and pro-military, but he's also super anti-Latino, and I don't think that would have sat well the, with her. I think the... I think you're projecting your dislike of Anna Lucia. <laughs> I think the cop portion of her outweighs the Latina portion of her. Ah, uh, lies and slander, says the Latina on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm not making generalization. I'm saying about Anna Lucia. But let's move on. We got to wrap this one up. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. No, 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 you did, you did, you did. Um, so Sawyer's like he's off fishing for fishing for himself, and it's a problem. And he sees Jin and Son. He smiles at them, and Son shoots him a dirty look. And he's like, "I ain't gonna get the Korean vote." And it's funny because they overtly describe this as politics because Hurley like overtly says, "You're gonna be voted off." Yes. <laughs> And and like even even the notion of like kissing babies is a very cliche like politician. <laughs> he sort talks of deal. about having to win hearts and minds. So you know, after he tries to gut his own fish, he goes to Hurley. And he's I like, will say, okay, help me. Will have have you ever 
gone like I assume you've gone fishing before in your life. I've gone fishing before in my life. I've never caught a fish on my own and I've never cleaned one. <laughs> so I feel for Sawyer in this moment. I have gone fishing maybe twice in my life and same. Um <laughs> you never you never actually had to clean any of the fish you caught? No. I don't even really like eating fish all that much. I'm not a oh. fish guy. I like poke bowls. I like fish and chips. I like things deep fried. Oh, fish and chips are great. Oh, Um, fish and chips are great. uh, Baja fish tacos are like, oh my God, amazing. So Hurley's like, okay, first you got to get Claire's vote. You got to get the Claire vote. She's got a lot of sweat. And so he's like, I've never done anything bad to Claire. He's like, but you never did anything good for Claire. So he goes (laughs) over there and very awkwardly asks about the baby which I should point out, one, Sawyer provided a lot of the, the driver's licenses for uh, Claire's vigil way back when. And also, Sawyer's voice provided a lot of, um, what do you call it? Uh, prov- like, Aaron really loved the sound of his reading voice. Well, you remember not back in, in the day. Not in this episode. <laughs> uh, but Babies he- are fickle. Babies are fickle. He brings Claire a blanket, and she's a little confused, but happy. Then the next morning, he's out early in the morning. I I do like that. Like the he's not as um, wrinkly. It's so funny because Sawyer is so charismatic that I feel like it's a little bogus that he'd be like grasping at straws for compliments but it like it kind of feels like that should have been like a charlie line or something you're, like that you're also absolutely right sawyer shouldn't be this awkward around a baby but it is funny seeing sawyer in situations where he's uncomfortable because he is so charismatic so i get what they were going for but i also but- understand that like hey this is a conceit of a, the show because he'd be charming. He'd be so charming right now, you know? The next morning, he's out hunting with Desmond for boar. And um, Desmond's got to be really confused considering what we end up finding out that there isn't really a vote because he's talking about hearts and minds and winning the, the heart of the people. And <laughs> Desmond's got to be... Mean- Desmond can see the future, but that doesn't mean that he understands what on earth Sawyer's talking about. And um, then we see they got a boar and Sawyer's throwing like a party. He's cooking the boar and and he's pouring drinks and everybody's having a good time. A Hawaiian luau with friends. That sounds so nice. And um, yeah. And... Not to bring it back down to like sad. <laughs> well, I'm living in sad town right now. That sounds so nice. He's talking to Charlie about the vote. And Charlie's basically like, I don't know what the hell you talk about. So Sawyer goes up and confronts Hurley. And he's like, hey, you conned me into being nice. That's like the lamest con ever. <laughs> but uh, Which is something he'll say to another character in a couple seasons. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes to he Hurley's like, hey, listen, we need a new leader. Saeed and Locke are gone and Jack's gone and and Kate's, Kate's gone. gone. And basically you're number five on the list. So <laughs> we need you to step up. And 
we, I wanted people to look to you and then not forget and forget they're totally screwed. And by the way, this is the exact reason why Hurley is the person who inherits this island later. Exactly. Because I will. Yeah. I, I will say that he's absolutely right because he's like, with everybody gone, we needed you to step up and then you turned out to be a diamond thief. Like, we, like, so you gotta, you gotta adjust that, my dude. Like, you gotta fix that. So that is the episode. So now I have to ask you a very important uh, question, Megan. Who is your, what is your Jacob? I... I mean, maybe it's ridiculous to give it to the entire flashback, Mm -hmm. but I I think this is one of the strongest flashbacks we've had this season. Like, there have been so many lackluster flashbacks so far um, that I I really think this stands out. Like I said, I would watch an entire movie of these two kind of fugitive-from-the-law women like learning to trust each other and learning to open up and committing crimes together. Like, uh, and also like, yeah, I, I would watch an entire movie of this flashback. It's that compelling. And even though it, it does the thing that a lot of this season does in terms of like, it doesn't tell us much more information than we already know, but like it gives us a compelling story to tie all that into and so i'm gonna have to give it to the entire flashback i'm sorry (laughs) that that's fine um i'll be a little more specific because i definitely have to give it with something with the flashback and i'll be more specifically even though i think it's a little bit part of yours obviously um the chemistry between them and the flashback like they're so good together immediately both as uh performers and as characters hit it off and i buy every because you know these flashbacks are tough because you got like 10 12 minutes episode top there are there are a lot of narrative constraints too and you usually these it's tough to necessarily make these characters hit it off as well as these two did and and buy it uh what is your man in black now this, I actually have a hard time picking. Not oh, I'm... because the episode is flawless, but because like there's actually a lot. If you want to be nitpicky, um, sorry, you were going to say something. Oh, I was about to say I'm having a hard time picking too, but now it sounds like for different reasons. Um, like because you could dig into like the fact that um, the the notion of abuse isn't really fully explored to the extent that it should be um or that trying to or or even the idea that like trying to rescue somebody from an abusive relationship is framed as selfish in any capacity um i could i could give it to the fact that like you know i i didn't care for juliet you know when i was a a a younger viewer (laughs) watching this or that like um the the storyline with Sawyer is even though it's entertaining is spinning its wheels a little bit or the fact that ta- Kate takes all the blame um even though it's very clearly John Locke's fault or the fact that even though this is such a female focused 
episode that I don't think there's a single scene that passes the Bechdel test. Like, if that makes any sense, like, and granted, that's being really nitpicky. And also, that's not necessarily conflating passing the Bechdel test with also being feminist. Like, that's, the Bechdel test was just trying to make a point. Isn't there um, tons of scenes that pass the Bechdel test in this episode? Not really, because a lot of the scenes with Cassidy and Kate either mention stepdad, Sawyer, or Marshall. And a lot of the scenes with Kate and Juliet mention Jack or Ben. So, like, there's, in, and granted, I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't doing a tally, but off the top of my head, I don't think this episode passes the Bechtel test. If there is a scene that does, then please feel free to tweet it at me. And the, I will the, fully admit my, my, my mistake well, I mean, in that regard. Well, I mean, but when Kate talks about her mother and why she needs to talk to her mother, you're saying it doesn't pass the Bechtel test because inherently the reason she has to talk to her mother is because she killed her stepfather? No, 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 no. Um, I think it's because earlier in that scene, it mentions the marshal. And in order to pass the Bechtel test... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Maybe maybe I have a misunderstanding of the Bechtel test, but... Because the the scene isn't inherently about the marshal, so you can't mention a man at all to pass the Bechdel test? If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that the qualifications for a Bechdel test, for passing the Bechdel test, is having a scene with two women in which they don't mention a man. I guess I always took the don't mention a man to be talking about a man. Like where the that's the main focus of the yeah like that like you could mention but I mean I don't know we got to talk to uh uh, now and granted that's that's not to say that uh, something that doesn't pass the Bechdel test can't be feminist that's not at all what that that test is supposed to prove that what that test is supposed to prove is a particular point about the way women are often written. That again, that's not to say that something that doesn't pass the Bechdel test can't be a feminist one. No, that that's not But well, let's oh. let's get back to the though. So, so what is what, what's your man in black? I'm just yes. saying, if I wanted to be nitpicky, there are a lot of things I do take issue with in this episode. If I'm feeling nitpicky, but I think if I wanted it. I think the reason why I brought up all those other things is because I sound like a broken record because my big problem with it is the love triangle. Like the, the, like one of the big reasons why Kate is framed as wrong in this episode is because she's feeling guilty about hurting Jack in this love triangle. And I hate the love triangle. So, so much. And like I said, the reasons for her guilt are so contrived. Fucking in a polar bear cage, uh, like that's being monitored is like, especially when the cage was unlocked and you could have run is so much fucking stupider in retrospect. Like I had a problem with it in the episode, but like now seeing how much of the narrative goes like, aren't, don't you feel bad about hurting Jack about this thing? I'm like, yeah, no, that's even more stupid than I thought it was at the time. So uh, I hate uh, okay. the love triangle stuff. I'm sorry. I do. And I, I know it's a bro. I sound like a broken no, record, it's... but I do. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I'm going to say 
in the Sawyer storyline about this idea of him becoming, we need you to be a leader, where it's like, I mean, I guess he eventually does when he's working for the Dharma Initiative, but it's also like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's... it's, He could have, he could have been more of a presence than just being there for everybody during the time jumping stuff yeah it's a hollow ask right now that nothing's gonna come of it for a minute uh like because if, he's gonna if jack kate and sawyer or, or or Locke were all gone for an entire season maybe but i don't know yeah i uh, I, I, but, I see where you're coming from but I, honestly this is me just not being able to think of one um uh megan where can the people find you I, I do just want to say I genuinely liked this episode. I know I just listed off a bunch of nitpicky things, but I genuinely liked this episode. This was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter at the Real Will Link. And until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.